Good morning. Uh, one question that's very important for us to ask, probably a question none of us have been invited to consider, is where do we want our church to be, St. Patrick Catholic Church, in three to five years? When you think of the church, what do you envision it looking like in three to five years? Uh, I imagine for most of us, since we haven't had a chance to think about it, there's kind of a big question mark, but really there's only three possible options. One, we stay the same. Two, we grow. Or three, we decline. And this is a very important question for us as we chart our, our future, our path for our future. And it's such an important question that many corporations spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time reflecting on themselves because they want their corporation to be successful. Um, raise your hand if you've ever heard of strategic planning. Maybe a good bunch of you, uh, or been a part of it. Uh, strategic planning is when you usually have a, a firm come in to your organization, maybe it's your business, and the business realizes we're kind of in a rut and we need to chart our future. So they have this firm come in and they give some consultation. And what they do is they take very important people within the organization to kind of summarize a mission of why they exist, and then they start to... Uh, make statements of what they want to be in the future, vision statements. They think of strategies, methods for getting to those places, and then tactics are the step-by-steps they'll make as they go forward. They reflect on their strengths, they think about their weaknesses, they think about uh, potential opportunities for them to go towards a certain direction, or maybe even threats, obstacles that come in their way. And many of these companies find that it's very successful if they stick to it uh, because it, it builds a sense of ownership over the organization, makes a, a clear path, a, a clear goal to go after. And what they do is they can chart their, their success year by year because they're so specific in their task. Well, this process is a really important process for any type of person or organization. And so we thought it would be good for us to do it here at our parish. Melissa Elke is actually a consultant in a firm that does strategic planning. So last Thursday... We had about 25 people come to the church, and we discussed uh, our, our path, our future as a parish. It was really amazing. Now, I realize that some people might have a, a common way of thinking, it's, it's out there, that, Father, why would we want to spend all of our time and energy thinking about our future like that? Aren't we already successful as a parish? You know, we come to Mass on Sunday, and Mass is great, and we have a St. Patty's Day party, or we have an ice cream social, and... And what else is there? Well, the church says actually there's a lot more to what a parish is supposed to be. Pope Francis says this in Evangelium Gaudium. He wrote, The parish is not an outdated institution. The parish is the presence of the church, universal, in a given territory, an environment for hearing God's word, for growth in the Christian life, for dialogue, proclamation, charitable outreach, worship, and celebration. In all its activities, the parish encourages and trains its members to be evangelizers. It is a community of communities, a sanctuary where the thirsty come to drink in the midst of their journey, and a center of constant missionary outreach. What was really neat about last Thursday night was that of these 25 people, when we put our brains together and our hearts together, we were trying to make a mission statement. Again, that's kind of a summary of why you exist. Guess what? It was almost exactly what Pope Francis said a parish is supposed to be. So this coming Thursday, and you're all invited, uh, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m., we're having our follow-up meeting where we're going to talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of St. Patrick Catholic Church. We're going to think about 
opportunities we need to take, threats to our, our future, as well as our core values. And then we'll have a few more meetings where we'll talk about vision statements and strategies and tactics, and then the ball will get rolling, where we'll see concrete, uh, measurable success as we go forward as a family. Now, I bring all this up because uh, it's important for us to think about where our parish will be three to five years from now, but a very personal question might be, where will you be spiritually three to five years from now? I mean, you only have three choices. I mean, when you think about your future, you might have a question mark, but the three choices could be either you're, you stay the same, nothing changes in your spiritual life, you grow, or you decline. I, I remember talking to a, a high school student uh, recently, and I, I said to her, uh, where do you see your faith being after high school? And she was so candid. God bless her. She said, oh, I don't think I'll be practicing my faith in, in two or three years. <laughs> I said, well, that's, it's good for you to be honest, and uh, if you want more, you can have more. But uh, she even can see that this is a possibility for her. Now, hold on to that question. We're going to go into the gospel, and the gospel has everything to do with that question. Where is your faith going to be three to five years from now? What, what will you look like as a Christian? In today's gospel passage, we hear of this wonderful mystical experience of our Lord, uh, the transfiguration. And right before this scene, St. Peter gets an earful from Jesus. Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. So Peter, James, and John are walking up Mount Tabor. It's a very steep mountain. I've been up it myself three times. You kind of have to go like a, like a snake all the way up because it's so steep. And as they were at the top of this mountain, then a mystical uh, event takes place. All of a sudden, they see this luminous light come forth from Jesus. They see Elijah. They see Moses. Then something scary happens. A cloud comes over them, the Holy Spirit, and then they hear the voice of God the Father. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter is beside himself, but he has this, this really good intuition. He says, Jesus, we've we got to build three tents, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And then all of a sudden, the whole occurrence disappears. For an Israelite, when they think of tent, they're thinking of tabernacle, the place where God's presence dwells. And so Peter had this intuition, I want to stay in this moment. I want to stay before the, the glory of God. The mystical is when you see through the ordinary into the extraordinary. They were seeing through the humanity of Jesus into the divinity of Christ. And so this special event was something Peter wanted to hold on to. But of course, we know the rest of the story. From this point on, Jesus is on his life descent into Jerusalem for his crucifixion and his death, death for us on the cross. But here's the thing. You know, we're not waiting for the crucifixion to happen again. It happened. We're post-resurrection people. And maybe the question for each one of us to ask is, uh, what is it to be on top of the mountain with the Lord? And can we stay there? Now, some people will say, you know what? For every time you have a mountain experience, you have to come down from the mountain and, and go into your crucifixion or something like that. But I, I argue against that. I don't think that's true. I do think that there is suffering in this life. God will minimize uh, some of it. Uh, some of it will remain. But I believe that you can stay on top of the mountain. And what does that mean? To stay on the top of the mountain means to be face-to-face -face with the divinity of Christ. I believe that in our faith, we can have a faith where we feel so close to God that we can see through the ordinary into the extraordinary, see his presence in all things. And moreover, as we see his presence in our life, sense his presence within our heart, in our daily life, with us as we drive to work, 
that we can also hear his voice in the myriad of ways that he likes to talk to us. We can hear his voice uh, that would wash over us and speak into our destiny, our identity, and our mission. This is your destiny, son. This is who you are. You are my son and my daughter. This is your mission. I believe you can have that. And my own personal experience seems to prove that. Ever since my conversion, I've had a deep sense of God's presence. Now, granted, it came at different degrees and, and levels, and it has grown um, since that point. But of the 15 years since my conversion, only about two to three years, I had this, this little segment of two to three years where I had a, a, a sense of darkness and God didn't seem present. Now, granted, during this very difficult time where I didn't have a sense of God's presence, I saw my prayers being answered all the time, big prayers being answered. So I saw his movement in the world, but I just didn't sense that he was very close. And it was a very difficult time. But if you think about that, two to three years out of 15 years, that's a minority. And it makes sense to think that the ordinary state of the Christian is to be on the mountaintop because he says, I do not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You're not to be orphans. You're not going to be left on your own to fight through this world by yourself. I will come to you. You're my sons. You're my daughters. Some people might say, and I've heard actually people say as I share with them what faith could be like, they'll say stuff like, Father, well, that's just a special grace for you. Somehow you've been a little extra special, and so God gave you a little special grace, and, and that's not for me to know that God is near all the time and to hear his voice speaking into my life. That's just not supposed to be the norm for my life. And when they say those, that question or make that statement, I really, um, it's obvious they, they don't think about the, the journey that I took in order to maintain and sustain a mountaintop experience. They don't ask that question. They don't think about it. But ever since my conversion, I have developed a strategic plan. I didn't call it that, of course. Um, and it was really rudimentary. But I had a, it's kind of a, a summary, a mission statement for my life. I had some vision statements for my life, what I wanted to be in the future. I want to be a saint. I want to be a saint who just spreads blessings in the world. I had strategies and methods of what I was going to do, and I had very concrete tactics I was going to use to get into the position of receiving those blessings. I made tons of sacrifices. I lived a life ever since my conversion that was often uncomfortable, where you had to stand up into positions of leadership that I didn't want to take, but I did it because I knew it was good for me. Uh, I sacrificed a lot of things that were fun, entertaining, relaxing in order to invest in my spiritual walk and the things that I believed God wanted for me. And as a result, I entered into a, revel a revelation-rich environment where this revelation-rich environment that existed around my life was now allowing me to sense God's presence and hear his voice. So I had a strategic plan. The question for each one of you is, what is your life going to look like in three to five years? What is your faith going to look like? Uh, I can't answer that for you. Uh, maybe there's a question mark, but there's only three possible answers. It stays the same, it grows, or it declines. And we know a lot of people whose faith has grown. We know a lot of people whose faith stay the same. And we know a lot of people whose faith has declined. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to have a question mark. As you continue on in your journey of Lent, you, you might reflect on that. Like, what is my... What are my steps? What are my methods? What, are, what do I want to be in three to five years in faith? Um, and one meditation that might be for you is, you know, each one of us is going to die. And when we die, our loved ones are going to meet with the priest, and they're going to start, your loved ones are going to start talking about you. And they're going to, the priest is going to ask all sorts of questions, like, what was he like? What he liked? Well, he loved to ride his tractor. He loved the Rock Ridge ball games, things of that nature. 
But if they are asked enough questions, will they fill out a mission statement for your life? A person alive by the Holy Spirit who wanted more of Jesus, who wanted to release blessings in the world, will they be able to fill out a picture of your vision statements, of what you wanted for your future? That he wanted to be a great saint and be close to to the scriptures and close to, to the saints in heaven and all these different things. Will they see within your life methods and strategies you took in order to get this way, he always came to daily mass, or he always did this, or always did that, because he thought this would be help, help him draw closer to Jesus. And he was a very practical man. He made concrete steps of what he wanted to do to get in this direction. He, he wasn't perfect. He never claimed to be perfect. But aside from all the wonderful things of being a part of uh, Boy Scouts, or fishing, or hunting, he also had this very important thing in his life, which was really at the heart of everything. Will they say about that about us? I hope so. I hope my loved ones say this. You know, Father Anthony, our son Tony, was a guy who just who was on fire for Jesus and tried to maintain that relationship with him his whole life and to bring that to other people. I hope they say that. I really hope they say that. God is good. And the fact is our parish as a whole is going in a direction of growth. And we're going to fill out that picture as a family. You are welcome to join us on Thursday, this coming Thursday, for our next meeting. Um, but one thing that's all up to you is where you're going to be in your faith. What are you going to look like three to five years? Well, we can hope it's going to be great. God's going to give us the grace we need if we want to be great, but we have to decide what that's going to look like.